You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. I want to talk to you about refusing to bow down and uh, resisting a culture of compromise. If you want to turn to Daniel chapter 3, I'll be summarizing this with you. I want to talk to you first about uh, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. We can look at that first slide. King Nebuchadnezzar was not a good guy, not a good man by any stretch of the imagination. He was the king of Babylon. He was responsible for defeating the Jewish people in battle and taking the entire nation of Judah into captivity in 586 B.C. And for the next 70 years, the Hebrew people would live in slavery and captivity in the land of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar was a fierce and violent king. Uh, when he laid sa- siege to Jerusalem in 586 B.C., when he took uh, Jerusalem captive, he uh, grabbed the king of the, the Jews, Zedekiah, and he put a hook through his nose and led him back to Babylon and put him in chains. He was not a uh, gentle ruler. He was a man of war. He was a man of violence. He was a prideful and arrogant king. He liked himself a lot, and he let people know how great he was. And in uh, Daniel chapter 3, the very beginning, it says that he sets up an image of gold, sets up a statue. And he says that this statue is a certain number of cubits, but if we were to translate cubits into feet, it stands 90 feet tall. Now, for a little perspective on that, the statue part of the Statue of Liberty is 154 feet tall. So this statue is about three-quarters of the height of the Statue of Liberty. It is about nine feet wide. It's a very narrow and wide idol that's been set up. And it was set up on the plains of Dura. In other words, it's set up in a level place. And so it was there so that everyone could see it and that everyone would know where it was. And he had a decree that was set forth. He said that everyone in the nation had to come together and when they heard the music, they had to bow down to this image of gold. Now, there's another part to this story. There's another character besides Nebuchadnezzar, and it is three uh, Hebrew men. You sometimes hear th- Hebrew children, but they're probably young men at this point in time. And there are three men who are named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, that is not their actual name, by the way. It is a name that was given to them by Nebuchadnezzar. You see, the, uh, when the Jewish nation was brought into captivity, one of the things that Babylon often did was the reprogramming of every single person that they brought with them in captivity. And how they did that is that they uh, broke them down, they changed their names, they would sometimes relocate them to different parts of the world, and they would try and have them uh, intermarry with uh, people that were not of their race so that they would eventually lose their national identity and ceased to exist as a people. One of the things they also did was forced uh, the Jewish people to worship the gods of Babylon. And they had many different gods. So Hananiah, whose name means God is gracious, was given the name Shadrach, which means at the command of Aku, the moon god of Babylon. Mishael, whose name means who is what God is, was given the name Meshach, which is who is what a coup is. 
And Azariah, whose name means the Lord helps, was given the name Abednego, which means a slave or a servant of Nebo. Why did they do this? Because any time Babylon conquered a nation, they showed their dominance over those people by renaming them. And any place where the word God appeared, they would take out the Hebrew God and they would put in a Babylonian God name instead so that even their identity was changed. And there was a collective reprogramming of the Jewish people. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were friends of Daniel. They were taken to Babylon because they were considered to be wise and noble people. They actually served in Nebuchadnezzar's palace, not because they wanted to, but because they were forced to. And each day they weren't addressed by their name that they were given. They were addressed by this new slave name that they were given by the king of Babylon. This is how the Babylonians tried to hold down the God that was in them. There's a cultural realization we must come to here. If you haven't already realized it, the culture of our world is changing, particularly in the West. New ideas that go against traditional values are propagated every day, not only in politics, but also in our schools. They are forced upon the public to accept them, uh, even to the point of brainwashing the young to believing them, even to the point that you will see advertisements tonight that are putting forth a particular agenda and saying, you need to think of things differently than the way that you were raised to believe them traditionally. And even though our society is not yet to the place where if you don't bow down to those things, you might lose your life or be thrown in prison, we are certainly on our way there. Make no mistake about it. These three Hebrew men refused to bow down. And I want to talk to you about the idol a little bit today. They refused to bow down to the idols of... Next slide, if you please. They refused to bow down to the idol of self, the idol of ego pride, stubbornness, and self-exaltation. Remember, I told you that Nebuchadnezzar was a pretty arrogant king. Even though he had uh, Daniel and his three friends as consultants, you've got to remember that this is a violent king. This is a proud king. This is a warrior king. It's believed that uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the one who created the hanging gardens of Babylon, one of the seven great wonders of the ancient world. He had no counsel. He had no rival. He was simply someone who is, uh, considered themselves to be pretty great. And so great was he that he says, you know what? I'm so great that I deserve to be worshipped. And it's believed that this idol that was created was an image of himself. How do we know that to be true? If you look at Daniel 2 and you look at um, the, the dream of Nebuchadnezzar that's interpreted by Daniel, Daniel references the fact that the statue that he saw is Nebuchadnezzar. And so Nebuchadnezzar, rather than taking counsel, instead of saying, all right, well, I need to humble myself, he said, that's a great idea. Let me build a statue of myself so that everyone has to acknowledge how great I am. It's a testament to his victories as a general, a testament to his uh, reign as a king. It's a testament to his own greatness. Now, we might think to ourselves, hey, that's ridiculous. I would never do that. But remember in the culture that we live in that self is exalted above everything else to the point that sometimes even the worship that we sing is oriented upon self. And so we might say to ourselves, well, you know, I would never want to be worshipped, but we always consider ourselves first in everything, don't we? 
Sometimes we look at the culture we're in. The culture that we're in today emphasizes to exalt yourself above all else. Uh, or to pursue ego, to pursue pride, to pursue the exalting of yourself, whether it be through fame or by achievement or success. And I will tell you this, that we may not consciously bow down to this idol, but if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in service to this idol of self. I will tell you from my years of experience in ministry, probably the biggest idol that's the diff most difficult to overcome is stubbornness and pride. A person who, who wants to see God move in their life will never see it so long as they uh, fail to acknowledge that they need help. So that they fail to acknowledge that there's anything that needs changing in their life. As long as they continue down that pathway, they will never see the power of God at work in their life. You know why? Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. But we don't think of pride as, you know, uh, being stubborn. We think of pride as simply being arrogant and saying that you're great or boasting, but pride is stubbornness and a refusal to change. Pride is thinking that you have all the answers when in reality you don't. And everybody around you knows you don't. And even the people you work with know you don't. You just, you don't know that you don't have all the answers. There's the idol of self. There's the idol of wealth. It's believed that this huge, huge statue that Nebuchadnezzar created for himself wasn't made entirely out of gold. But rather it was a wood uh, idol that was an image carved of himself that was overlaid with gold. And if you look at the prophecies of Scripture, and if you look at what the prophets had to say about idolatry, they would bring up this point that you're, you're really serving gods of wood and stone that you've made to be pretty, that you've fashioned out of your own hands to worship. And so here we have this outward show of beauty. We have this gold-plated statue of the great Nebuchadnezzar. But in reality, on the inside, it's just wood that's either going to be rot, rotten or eventually it's going to be eaten by bugs. You know, there's this whole idea in the culture we live in today that says, you know, put on the good appearance. Pursue wealth. Pursue success. I can't tell you the number of times I've encountered people who have the outward view or appearance of success, but really they're in debt. The outward appearance of being wealthy and well-off, but they're just living from paycheck to paycheck because they've overcommitted themselves in terms of what they actually have. You see, it makes a good presentation on the outside, but on the inside, it's really hollow and empty. If you were to peel back the gold on that idol of Nebuchadnezzar, you would see it's nothing but wood and nothing of any great value whatsoever. Church, as Christians... We have to remember, first and foremost, our pursuit is not after the things that the world values. Because the world will value those things above family. Work hard above family so you can give the family what you always wanted to give them. So you can send them on vacations, so you can give them gifts, but you have no interaction with them and they really don't know who you are. Putting it above church, putting it above your own morality and your own values. I want to challenge you today, church, don't give in to that idol by pursuing and worshiping it. You might not even know that it's happening. But understand, that's not what we worship or who we should worship. We shouldn't bow down to the idol of comfort. You know, see these three Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
understood that, you know, it'd be so much easier to not say anything. It'd be so much easier to not challenge the status quo. It'd be so much easier to just simply do what everyone else is doing. Because the king had a decree, and he said, anyone, the entire kingdom must gather together, and they would gather everyone together on the plains of Dur. And here they have this huge image of Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, when you hear the music, and you hear people play the music, get real excited because now's the time to bow down. I want everyone there, all the governors, all the nobles, all of the officials, even down to the, the least of the kingdom, the slaves. And I want you to know that when we have this big party, and when you hear all the music, and you see all the dancing, when the time comes, all of you, every single one of you, will bow your knee and put your face to the ground and worship me. He said, oh, by the way, if you don't, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace where I forged the gold to make that statue. So as you can imagine, some people were kind of motivated by that. It wasn't because Nebuchadnezzar was a great guy. It was because if I didn't do it, it meant death, certain death, horrible death like thrown into a furnace death. So like, I'm good with that. Where's the idol? That way? Okay. Bow down. But as you can imagine, that not everybody did that. So it came back to King Nebuchadnezzar and it says, you know, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we've got to bring this up to you. Um, we know that all your servants you know, worship you, and everyone's following along, and everyone's falling into line with this, and we all know how great you are, but there's some Hebrew men who are not bowing down to your image. And of course, he thought that was a bit of a problem, as you can imagine. Daniel 3, verses 14 and 15. So when he found out that they were not bowing down to him, he called them uh, into his presence. And he said this, he said, Nebuchadnezzar spoke to them and says, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and the symphony of all kinds of music, you, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, then good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God that can deliver you from my hands? Hear this. He made this threat, and understand, remember the kind of person Nebuchadnezzar is. He's the one that made a threat and could back it up. Threats can cause compromise. It generates fear, especially when our future is in the hands of bad people. Nebuchadnezzar could certainly back up his threats. He wasn't using hyperbole. He meant what he said. And a person like that thinks that they are God, makes bold claims against people who serve the true and living God. Did these men know what the consequences would be? Absolutely they did. Don't forget that these are men who served in, uh, served in Nebuchadnezzar's court. They were holding positions of authority. They were slaves, yes, but they had a place. They were treated well. And they said, well, if, if we do this, we could lose everything that we have. And it certainly was a challenge. They were aware of the threats, but they were not afraid. They displayed something that we need. You can write these down. Three things we need. Number one, courage. 
to challenge a king. Courage to challenge. They challenged the most powerful and fearful king at that time. They had courage to stand up to a wicked king. They had the courage to do what the rest of their countrymen could not. Remember that out of the entire nation of Judah that had been brought into Babylon, it was only these three men that decided, I'm not going to bow down before this idol, but everyone else did. So it takes courage to do what other people are not willing to do. It took courage to stand up for what they believed in. Let me just say this, that courage is the antidote to compromise. Courage is the antidote to compromise. It will change, and it will go against the culture of compromise. But you have to have courage. Interesting thing about when you decide to be courageous. It may not be easy, but what it does is it gives others the courage to do the same. Nobody wants to be first, but there's a whole bunch of people that don't mind being second, if you follow what I'm saying. No one wants to be the first to stand up for what they believe in, but they'll get behind someone who does. Hear me, not even everyone wants to be first to the altar when the call is given. But they most certainly will be the second, though. All they need is one courageous person to take a stand and say, I'll do it, I'll go, it will be me. And then others find the courage to do it, too. They display character the principles that were important to them, their religion, their background, their faith and fidelity to God was not something that they hid. It was not their truth versus your truth. But rather they lived by their convictions and no one was going to change them. What they recognized is that the simple act of bowing down before an idol wasn't just simply, well, I can divorce that from my beliefs and my values and, and, and just choose to do something differently. And God understands. He gets it. He's a God of grace. He said, no, these values are who I am. And to betray them would betray who I am and would betray the God that I serve. So because of that, I will not bow down. Their character demanded that they would not bow down to this idol. The third thing that we need to display, too, is confidence in God. Confidence in God. These three Hebrew uh, servants, these th three Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had ultimate confidence in their God. Even if God did not rescue them, they said, we're not going to worship your God. This is how they responded to Nebuchadnezzar. I want you to take note of this, because he, they try and do their best to be kind and diplomatic and polite about it, but they are very firm and forceful. Look at this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God in which we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery burning furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the image of gold which you have set up. Wow. They said, you don't, need, we don't need to, you don't need to ask us this question. You don't even need to give me an opportunity to respond. Here's my response. We will not bow down. And we know that God can deliver us from you. 
But just so you know, just even not, even if he doesn't, we still will not bow down to you or your gods. Think of that boldness. Think of that courage. But notice how nicely they phrased it. They, they showed proper respect to the king, but they were firm and unwavering, and they trusted God, and they would not be intimidated. Even if they died, they were not going to compromise their deeply held faith and beliefs. Not for any reason. They would rather die than compromise. I wish I could tell you that their announcement was well-received. I wish I could tell you that Nebuchadnezzar was an understanding king. He said, you know what? I don't want to, I want to be PC here. I don't want to, like, upset the other Jews. You know, that's fine if you don't want to bow. I understand. I wish I could tell you that he was an understanding man who was, received their announcement well, but it, he didn't. Take a look at verses 19 and 20. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury, and he contorted the expression on his face, and he changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he spoke and commanded that they heat up the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them and burn into the fiery burning furnace. So as you can imagine, the king's upset. He had the huge blazing furnace heated up seven times higher than usual. So much so that the guards who threw these men into the furnace died from the heat instantly. He ordered that these three men be thrown into the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we sometimes think that doing the right thing means that things will always go good for us. Surely if we stand up, surely if we express ourselves to the king, he'll understand and he'll change it. Surely if we do the right thing, then good things will come to us. Here's a perfect example of that that's not always the case. Sometimes the consequences are real. Sometimes standing up for your faith and your belief will result in there being furious opposition to you and threats. Sometimes we think that doing good results in good things, but sometimes the opposite is true. But if we only do the right thing because it's easy and not because it's the right thing, then we will always be compromising. If you're constantly putting up your finger to the wind to see how it's going to be received, then you will always compromise your beliefs. They didn't compromise, but they had courage. I'm not scared, they said. We're not scared even though it might take everything from me even though they might lose their lives from it, even though they might lose their comfort, even though everyone else is doing it, we will not do what everyone else is doing. And maybe the resolve that you need to have in your life, in your workplace, in your family, in your situation, is that you choose to not be scared. Even if it takes away your livelihood and your job, determine today, I will not do that because it goes against who I am and what I believe. Choose that even though it means that it might take away your comfort, that it doesn't matter, I'm still going to be faithful to what God says is right. Even though everyone else is doing it, even though other brothers and sisters in Christ, even though other people in your own church are doing it, determine in your heart, I'm not going to do that. Because I want to please God and not man. It looks like it's pretty bad for these guys. Some of you know the Sunday school story. Some of you don't. But for those of you who don't, let's continue onward, okay? Some don't. Hey, listen, they don't, okay? 
Daniel chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. Remember, these men are thrown into a blazing furnace. It killed the guards that threw them in. And of course, because King Nebuchadnezzar was a sick puppy, he watched. He wanted to watch them burn. He wanted to watch them suffer. Verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke and said to his counselor, did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose. Walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the fourth is the form of the one who is like the Son of God. They were not alone in the fire. They were not bound in the fire. They were loose in the fire. They were walking around in the fire. They were interacting and having conversation and fellowship with the fourth man in the fire who King Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan god who has served many pagan gods, said, there's someone in there that looks like the very son of God himself. I want you to notice something today, church. I want you to get, make it clear in your mind and heart that the fourth man in the fire was only seen in the fire. Only seen the fire. When they came out, Jesus didn't just show up like a superman walking out with them. Three men went in. Four men were seen. Three men came out. Sometimes the only time that you're going to see God is in the fire. Sometimes you have to go through the fire to see God show up. It reminds me of Isaiah 43, verse 2 and 3. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Sometimes it's not always a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Will you go through difficulty? Yes. Will you face challenges to your faith, to your belief? Yes. Will you face difficulty in your workplace? Yes. It's not a matter of, Lord, if the situation comes up, I hope you're there for me. You've got to resolve in your mind heart now when these things come up. The promise of Scripture says, I will be with you even there. Life can be difficult at times, let's be honest. Some of you are having a tough year. Some of you are having a great year. But sometimes it's a matter of not if, but when you go through something. And the question you must ask yourself, is your heart, your mind, and your spirit ready for that? Being courageous means you prepare yourself for every scenario so that when it comes, you'll be ready. Be a person that will not be shaken. Not in your heart, not in your mental health, not in your emotions, or your will, or your faith. Be of the mind that says, I knew this might happen, but I remember what the Lord said. He said he would be with me. And because of that, even though you're in the middle of something, hear me today, church, listen to me. You might be in the middle of a health situation right now, and you don't know how it's going to turn out. I want you to know this morning, the Lord's with you, in the fire. 
You might be in a work situation where you're being asked to compromise, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen, just look the other way. Listen, just fudge the books. No one's going to know. Listen, just compromise. Listen, we're dealing with things that maybe we shouldn't be into, but, you know, it's not a big deal. All that matters is the bottom line. You might be in situations where you might be asked to lie about something. I want you to know today, you might be in the middle of that fire, and you might think to say to yourself, today is the day I need to switch jobs or do something else, and your boss might be furious with you. I want you to know that God's with you in the fire, and he will see you through to the other side. But you've got to prepare your mind and your heart and your will to be able to make it through there. Choose to say, my heart, my will, and my faith and my beliefs, I will not be shaken. I will not be drowned. I will not be overwhelmed. I will not be burned. I will make it because Jesus is with me. When you do this, others will take notice. Verses 26 through 29. You still with me today? It says, then Nebuchadnezzar went to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and all the king's counselors gathered together. And they saw these men on whom their bodies had no fire, and the fire had no power over them. The hair of their head was not even singed. Their garments were not affected, and not even the smell of fire was on them. <laughs> Listen, you're going to come out on the other side, and you're not going to smell like what you went through. And believe me, there's some things that we go through that really stink. There's things that you're going to I, I speak and prophesy to you now. You're going to get out of that situation in your workplace before all hell breaks loose in that situation. Before your CEO gets arrested, before people are named in lawsuits, before situations get bad, you are going to step out of there because you're going to realize now is the time. And I'm going to step out of that situation before it's too late. You're going to come out not even smelling like smoke. You're going to come out not even smelling like the situation. You're not even going to be singed. There'll be nothing. The fires and trials that you go through now, brothers and sisters in Christ, members of this church, hear me when I say it. You might think to yourself that I'm not going to make it. You are going to make it. And you're not going to have the ill effects of what you've gone through. God's going to bring you out the other side. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they should not serve or worship any god but their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language who speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut to pieces, and their house shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other god that can deliver like this. Remember what he said at the beginning, and what god will deliver you out of my hand? He says, there's no other god in the world that can deliver like this realization and understanding will come to people who have no faith understanding whatsoever. People who don't even honor, acknowledge God will go, God's with you because I don't know how you survived that. I don't know how God brought you through that because God is with you in the situation. Let's be real for a moment. When we're challenging people to take a stand, taking a stand means that you have to be visible. 
and you have to be vulnerable. Taking a stand means that you have to be visible. That means you step out from the crowd where everybody else is saying, just compromise, just be comfortable. Listen, it's great that you love God and you serve God, but if the day ever came like you couldn't be a Christian vocally and verbally because you would lose your house, lose your job, lose your freedom. Hey, listen, don't make waves. Don't tell anybody. Don't say anything. And we're not in that day, but it could come. And sooner than you might actually think it will, especially in this region. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to step out from among the crowd? Meaning, when you step out from that, it means that you'll be visible not only to your enemy, but the enemy of your souls. You'll be visible to those around you. And they'll see others around you will either say, that person's crazy, or like, I'm going with them. Oh, that the Lord would raise you up to be courageous. Oh, that you would be the first, but certainly not the last, to step up and stand up and step out for the Lord that others would follow your example even if you feel like you're doing that alone, even if it costs you something or if it costs you everything that you'd be willing to take that stand. You know who else it's visible to? It's visible to God. God says, that's my son. That's my daughter. Oh, they're in the fire? I'm in the fire too because the father does not abandon his children. He's right there with him. So being visible to others means that you're out there and people are, you could be a target, but it also means that God knows that you're with him and so he's with you. Be visible. But being vulnerable too. It's true, it means that you're saying, God, I, me leaving this job, I don't know what's going to happen next. God, me, me putting my foot down in my family and setting some boundaries that are healthy for my family, I don't know what's going to happen. I might, they might disown me. They might wanna, not want to have anything to do with me. If I, or if in my job, if I lose this job, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. When you are vulnerable before the Lord, you're saying, God, I trust you with the things I can't see, with the future that is still unknown. When you are vulnerable, you're saying, God, it's in your hands, and I choose to trust you and put my hope in you. Hear me when I say this. Hear me when I say this. The difference between commitment and compromise has everything to do with what king you're worried about. The difference between commitment and compromise has everything to do with what king you're worried about. Are you worried about the kings of men or are you more concerned with the king of kings and lords of lords? Which king's opinion of you are you concerned with? And that one thing will guide and direct every decision you make. Sometimes we're worried about our earthly kings and rulers, our bosses, our supervisors, our leaders who do not fear or serve God, or they will do what they will say or do in our situation. But are you worried about instead the approval of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is higher than any authority on earth and in heaven? Jesus says these challenging words in one of his teachings, Matthew 10, 33 and 34, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But if anyone denies me before men, I will also deny my, him before my Father who is in heaven. Compromise might help you escape hardship and find the approval of men in this world, but it will not win over the approval of Christ and our Heavenly Father. 
To deny you know him before men means that the Lord will deny knowing you in heaven. And those he does not know in heaven do not stay there. So as I wrap this up today, you're still with me? (laughs) Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for your strengthening power. Choose today. Choose courage today. Choose that you won't bow down to the gods of self, ego, wealth, and comfort. Choose to not worship and chase after the things that everyone else chases after. Choose to take a stand for Jesus by how you live. Understand that even if you go through the fire, he will be with you. In your heart, you have to say, I'm ready to stand when everyone else around me bows. Can we close our eyes for a moment as we're honest before the Lord? prepare our hearts to respond to Jesus. You know, taking a stand is not easy. Sometimes before you do it, there's a moment of hesitation. You ever been in that situation? You're thinking about it. You really feel like you should do it. Your heart starts to race. Maybe your face gets a little hot. Maybe you start to feel like your knees give out from under you, and you don't feel like you can have the strength to stand. A thousand thoughts go through your mind. Am I really going to do this? Am I really making this decision right now? What's going to happen? What will people think? What will people do? How will this work out? Maybe I can just not do it. And I don't have to do anything, right? I don't have to do anything, and then it won't let you go. That thought keeps coming to your mind. It's like, but I can't forget this. I can't. I can't not do this. I can't. I have to respond. What they're doing is wrong. I have to do something. I have to stay something. I can't stay silent. I can't go by the wayside. And then you finally make the decision and you rise to your feet with heads bowed and eyes closed today. I call us to courage. I call us to conviction. I call us to no longer compromise, but I call us today to make that stand. If you're courageous and you trust Jesus to be with you, and if you will say this morning, I will not bow to the idols of this world, but rather I will take a stand for Jesus with no one looking around, I encourage you to stand to your feet right now. I'll take a stand for Jesus. If that's where you're at, take a stand right now. Keep your eyes closed. Don't look around to see who else is doing it. Hear me, church, one day we will all stand before God, but not with a room full of people. It'll just be us and his and him. Him and his piercing gaze. Him who can see all things and know all things. We will stand before him. And there's no lie that we could tell that he won't know the truth for. It's easy to stand when other people are standing. It's hard to stand when you're not sure if you're the only one or not. 
I call you today to stand. Hallelujah, Jesus. I call you to stand in your school. Elementary, middle, high school, I call you to stand. In your colleges, in your secular universities, with your professors who are trying to undermine and wear down the faith that you have, who consider themselves, because of their PhDs, to be gods among men, I call you to stand. In your workplace with your boss, who thinks he's God himself and he's a gift to all creation and to your workplace and talks like he is. I call you today to stand. You don't have to be rude or disrespectful, but you just have to stand for what you believe in and be like the three Hebrew men who said, oh no, oh king. You are still king. Yes, you are. But we're not going to do that. No matter how much you rage and no matter how much you yell, we won't do that. Now, Here's where I throw you a curveball. I want you to open your eyes and look around. Open your eyes and look around. I call you to account today. I call you to accountability. For today we've made covenant with God. For today you've said it. No, today I will hold you to it, says the Lord. No, today, today I may ask you to do even now, even this week, I may ask you to do this. What you have said to me, follow through. What you have said to me, what you have purposed in your heart, carry out. And know this, son, daughter, I will be with you and I will bring you through. It will not be the end of you, but it will be just the beginning. Because just as I advanced Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the kingdom, so it will. I will advance you as well, even if it's not in the place that you're in right now hear and receive from the Lord. I challenge you, church, call each other to account. Weren't you the one that stood? Yes. Do so. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you speak and we hear and we respond, Lord God. My prayer today is that we didn't respond because we felt pressured to stand, but because we genuinely wanted to. I pray today that my words wouldn't have been so persuasive that somehow out of human intellect we might have stood and responded, but rather I pray today, Holy Spirit, that there would be genuine courage that wells up within us by the Holy Spirit to be able to be your representatives and messengers to the world. Lord, I pray today, help us to follow through on what we said and what we will do. May we do all this not for the approval of men, although their voices are loud, and it's difficult to say no to them. Lord, help us to be concerned with the approval of only one king, and that's the King of kings and Lord of lords today. So, Lord, I just pray that you would be with them. When they go through the waters, they will not drown. When they go through the rivers, they will not be overtaken. And when they go through the fires, they won't even smell like smoke because you will bring them through. I just declare it now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.